Hello, I'm Cole Peterson, based out of Portland, Oregon. I'm author of Backdoor Revolution and host of the ADU Hour, a podcast where we probe deep into ADUs and other small alternative infill housing. Expansive and deep thinking about small infill housing is our jam. You can sign up for information and announcements from my email newsletter at buildinganadu.com. And I'm Kelsey King, a real estate agent and ADU specialist based in Bellingham, Washington. We host the ADU Hour live on Zoom. Cole interviews experts in the ADU space, and then we take some questions from our live audience. Timothy Kakaro is CEO of Rescon Builders, the largest dedicated granny flat building company in Australia, and founder of Can I Build, a sales app changing how the world's builders sell construction. Since the recording of this episode, the Can I Build app has expanded to U.S. markets. Cole, what were some takeaways from listening to this episode? Looking into the future is impossible. But actually, it's not. At any point in time, you can typically find precedents of others who are doing something similar elsewhere and see likely trajectories for the future. And that's what it's like looking at the state of ADUs in Sydney and Vancouver, BC, where ADUs have been popular for longer than they've been popular in the US. Tim's company has vastly more ADU construction experience than anyone else in the US. So talking to him is kind of like looking into the future. Plus, it's fun to talk to somebody with an Aussie accent. What were some of your takeaways? I was reminded of Australia's lending practice of valuing ADUs at at least the cost of construction and lending on 80 to 90% of that cost. This, I imagine, creates greater opportunity for middle-income homeowners to take on large-scale projects like building an ADU. I was also reminded of how impressive Timothy's app, Can I Build, is a tool with the depth of information that Can I Build has built in, such as local regulations and topography, has potential for making an impact on costs in the planning process and offering opportunities for highly visual communication with owners who need that. Let's get to our interview with Timothy. This is Tim Kakaro. If I'm pronouncing that wrong, you can yeah, correct perfect. me. Perfect. Tim and I have been kind of interacting a bit over the last year. And one of the things that I think is is neat about having Tim on as our first guest is people might not know this, but as far as I'm concerned, kind of the modern ADU movement really gets its inception from Australia, from New South Wales, which is where Tim is. And so we're going to kind of start by going all the way back to the beginning to some extent and, and kind of go back to the beginning with ADUs. Then we're going to work through some questions with Tim. So, so Tim, thanks for coming on and uh, talking to us today. I'm going to start by asking you a little bit about that history. So when did Granny Flats first come to Australia, as far as you know? Yeah, so basically Granny Flats in Australia took off in 2009. So what happened is the New South Wales government brought in some legislation called the Affordable um, Housing SEP. And essentially what that did is statewide made it uniform and very quick to get approvals of granny flats. So the second that came in pretty much a year or two later, so around 2010, 2011, it started really taking off. So an industry was born and there was new companies forming around that idea of a granny flat. And so essentially the starting point was 2009, but it started getting traction in 2010, 2011 as a result of that legislation change, which is reflecting what's happening in the United States right now. Did, are, are they taking off throughout Australia or just in New South Wales? Yeah, so look, it, it's an Australia-wide concept, but New South Wales in particular made it incredibly simple and they removed quite a lot of the restrictions. So some of the other states in and states and territories in Australia 
what they've done is they've introduced um, some laws that said the granny flat can only be for family members, so for um, intergenerational living. And those kind of restrictions make it a bit hesitant for some builders to get involved because there's some restrictions. Others make it a little bit more restrictive by council um, rather than statewide. So there's some inconsistencies there. So the difference with, with New South Wales is the legislation is consistent throughout. So all the industry players were able to understand that all of them were able to look at one bit of legislation and as a result, it moved very quickly in, the, um, in New South Wales. So to give you some numbers, for example, in 2009, the amount of granny flats being built in Australia was around, so you know, there was a handful, but nothing to, to report on. And pretty much in two, three years later, um, around 2012, 2013, and we reached just shy of 5,000 per year in New South Wales. And right now we're running at about 10,000 for the country per year. So that shows you the, the rapid growth in the number of um, granny flats. And if you take into consideration the population of Australia and the population of New South Wales, those numbers are quite high in comparison yeah. to say. Yeah, what, you know, what, can you give us some, some, someone, some idea of what the population for New South Wales is roughly? Yeah, so the population of New South Wales is 7.5 million. So that gives you an idea that for a population size of 7.5 million right now in 2018, um, the number of granny flats or ADUs is circa about 6,000 per year. So that's the number that's reached. Are there any other terms that are used in Australia commonly or is everybody, does everybody call them granny flats? Everyone calls them granny flats. And there are some, some terminology like um, garden studios mm -hmm. that but that's more of a marketing spin by some companies. Um, but I think if you spoke to some to an Aussie and said garden studio, they wouldn't understand what you're talking about. Yeah. So 100% is pretty much granny flat. Um, unfortunately, none of us know about ADUs. Um, yeah. but, but essentially, an ADU is a granny flat, so they're yeah. used interchangeably. Yeah, and, and you know the, the term ADU is just kind of being like formally codified into state laws here in the U.S. So it, the name, nomenclature is becoming more unified here. But I think that's like even two years ago in California, there was ten different names being used for ADUs. So we'll see what happens, but that doesn't really matter that much to me. So Rescon, let's talk about your company, Rescon. So tell us about Rescon. When did you start it? Yeah, so basically, I'm the managing director of Rescon. I founded Rescon Builders in 2012 now, so about eight years ago. Essentially, the company was founded purely to enter in the granny flat space. So we're probably one of the first handful of companies that started within, within granny flats in Australia. So we're one of the very early on adopters. Since then, we've only focused on granny flats to this day. So it's been about eight years now, which time flies when you're having fun. Probably close to, I would say right now, close to a thousand granny flats over that time. So obviously initially we started out of a garage, that quickly moved to, to a warehouse, moved quickly to an office, moved quickly to branches around New South Wales. So that even that growth pattern, I see a lot of parallels between what's happening with new players in Australia as new players in you know, whether it's Portland or California or um, what have you, I can see that sort of, it almost looks like deja vu when yeah. I'm looking at what's occurring in, in the United States. So it's quite similar. So how many, how many granny flats have you guys built? Yeah, so 
So overall, it's probably about a thousand, but just in the last couple of years, uh, we've been averaging close to 300 um, per annum. So that's in the last, say, two, three years. So most of that, that thousand would have occurred in the last couple of years. So around 2017, 18, we probably saw a peak in the market here in Australia. Um, but that peak has happened for residential construction across the board. So it's come down a little bit. So I'm, I'm imagining that granny flats came down along with other type of um, builds here in Australia. So to give you an example, last year it was um, probably around that just shy of the 250 mark. So it's still quite strong in comparison, yeah, compared to to other players. Yeah, that's a that, that's a huge number for for us. I mean, I think that is vastly more than anybody in the U.S. is building for sure. So that's really cool. So how many other large granny flat builders are there in Australia? Meaning people who are who have done more than say a hundred ADUs. I would say across Australia, the, the vast majority of the large players would be focused in on New South Wales. That's hundred percent. I would say less than five players are doing over 100 and potentially definitely under 10 across the country there is some very large players in western australia that started to dominate the entire um, market in queensland there's a few but the vast majority is in new south wales so everyone is everyone is struggling to breach that 300 mark so everyone seems to be in that two to 300 mark but construction is very fragmented so it's very hard for one player to take a dominating market share position. The other problem in Australia, which I imagine might be the same case in the United States, where I'm not 100%, is 50% of the granny flats being built are being built by the owners themselves. So there's a concept of owner-builder here in Australia. So you can get a, a license for the purposes of building your own um, structure. So there's a lot of people that do that. So that'll probably account to 50% of the number um, being reported. The other 50% being done by um, builders or general contractors, which um, I think the states refer to to us by. And what can you can you describe a little bit about your business model? So is it like what we think of as design build, or, or do you guys just provide standardized plans that people can select from? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is really interesting because I think this is where Australia really differs from the United States. So in the United States, to and I'll try to do some comparison so um, the attendees can sort of you know follow a little bit better. But here in Australia, there's a concept of project home builders, so which I think in the, in the States, they refer to them as production home builders. So, But the production home builders are typically doing large estates of a couple of thousand builds. Whereas in Australia, project home builders can do single builds. So what happens is there's a catalog of floor plans. Those floor plans are a starting point that you can choose to start building your granny flat. So we're a project home granny flat builder here in Australia. So if you go to our website, you'll be able to see a series of floor plans. But those floor plans can be customized to suit the backyard. So in people's backyards there's swimming pools there's sheds there's garages which have to be accommodated so it's very hard to have a, a one fixed plan so for rescon builders and our approach is we're a design approval and construction company we do all three facets from beginning to end and that's typically the scenario in australia most builders would control the entire process whereas in the united states i think there's a, a larger reliance on architects or draftsmen 
to produce plans and then you find the general contractor separate from that process. So that's another um, different point. And probably the other point that's, that's of interest is there's a lot of uh, media attention on prefab and mon modular type construction. Um, whereas in Australia, I think a lot of those elements that the United States sees as new has been the norm for the last 10, 20 years in Australia at least on all residential construction. So that's um, panelized wall construction, roof trusses, timber trusses, which means that part of the construction elements are done offsite and brought on site to expedite construction timeframes and things like that. So I think that those are how construction may differ from Australia and, and the United States. And the other thing is just United States seems to rely on general contractors, which are generally smaller players. So they're very localized in the, the area. And whereas Australia, I believe that the construction companies, at least on face value, when, when you're looking from the outside, looking in, it looks very much like there's larger construction companies. So for example, with Rescom, and we've got over 20 dedicated staff purely for the purpose of managing construction builds for example, whereas the feel in many of the builders in the United States are smaller players, basically working off the back of a ute and, and managing a construction build directly. So the contact person is the builder themselves and, and they come around and speak to the owners. That's what's different in Australia. So you, got, you have 20 full-time staff or is it just 20, 20 full-time project managers? We've got 20 full-time staff. So response a bit different that we're highly technologically sort of like a technology adopter in construction, which is quite, quite rare. My background is I've got a computing science degree as well as being a builder. So what that means is we've got a lot of technology to sort of remote manage our, our builds. We keep our staff count quite down um, because we believe that a lot of construction companies have very thin margins and are high risk because of the amount of people they need to run the project. So those 20 are primarily people, sales staff, project managers, selections, and things like that, and design approval um, to expedite the process. Um, but much of that work is done. Tell us a little bit about costs, financing, I should say, financing. So obviously, cost, you know, paying for these granny flats, no matter where you are in the world, it's expensive for anybody. How, how are people in Australia generally financing ADUs, granny flats? Yes. Okay, so... Pretty much everyone is financing their ADU slash granny flat projects. So uh, very few are self-funding out of you know, money saved. So everyone's going to the bank. Essentially, the, the finance arrangements in Australia is very sort of similar to the United States. It's either an equity loan. So if they've got equity in the existing property, they can draw from those funds to, to fund the project. Or alternatively, it's an as-if complete construction meaning the end, the projected end valuation of the granny flat is taken into account by the financial institution and it's lent against that, that completed value. Um, so those are the two finance arrangements that's typically done. Um, interest rates are typically around 4% here in Australia. Probably one thing that's important to note, initially the banks were quite resistant to financing granny flats. They didn't even know how to finance them, whether it was a renovation or an extension or a new build, which made it a little bit more difficult to get financed. But our experience was a year or two in the granny flat boom that also moved out. So the financing is quite simple right now. And most people are taking 90% loans. In terms of the, yeah. 
sorry, when you say the financing is getting simple, so that after rehab value, one of the big hangups here, curious to hear your take on it is like, how does the bank figure out what the after rehab value is going to be? Is that a question that comes up there as well? It is. So basically, we've got valuers that do the magical hocus pocus to sort of determine what the end value is. But typically, the the standard approach has been whatever the cost of the construction is, say it's 130000 or 150. That's typically a dollar for dollar revaluation of the build of the total project. So the existing home, 850000 and the bank typically just says the end valuation will be a million and therefore you have to put in 10 to 20 percent um, towards the 150,000. So that's pretty streamlined. Quite a lot of valuations come above the, the construction build cost, but it depends in which suburb, which area, and so on and so forth. In terms um, of, I think your first question, your question will also touched on construction costs. So I'll, this is one thing that the United States across the board, um, construction costs are phenomenally more per square foot than compared to Australian costs. I'm not sure why that is. I've got some, you know, some ideas, but to give you a comparison, um, a 600, and apologies if I get the, the conversions wrong, but in Australia, a granny flat is typically 60 square meters, which is about 650 square feet. A cost, in Australian dollars for that is approximately $130,000. So when you convert that, and I think we're at a 60 cents conversion, I think we're talking about 73, 75,000. Wow. For a, for a 650 square foot. So huh. from what I can see online and all the research that I've done, because I'm quite keenly you know, observing what's happening in the States, the States look, easily double that price. Easy, um, so yeah. yeah. That's a real unfortunate thing, particularly given granny flats are for affordable housing yeah. and things like that. So yeah, well that's like that's yeah, fascinating stuff. And I'd I'd love to figure out why that why that isn't fair. <laughs> Everybody on this call would be really interested in figuring out why that is. So we'll have to save that for another time. So tell us right now a little bit like you you have a timely kind of new side shoot business called Can I Build? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, no, look, 100%. So like I said earlier on, my background as well as being building, I've got a computing science degree. I've had, you know, I have a love affair of technology in general. And and I genuinely believe construction worldwide needs to improve dramatically. Unfortunately, there's been a sort of a, a feeling that construction has been a very slow adopter of technology full stop across the board. So with that in mind, in the last couple of years, we set up a company, um, a separate company to Rescon called Can I Build? And the purpose of this um, is we've developed an application that's allowing builders and contractors to better sell their construction. So uh, we've automated the process of design, compliance, um, through this application and it's being used quite wide, wide, widely here in Australia and you know that's basically we're putting a lot of effort into that and as you know we're you know talking to partners in the United States in regards to its adoption in the States and we're in the process of gearing the application up so it's applicable to general contractors in the AU space particularly in California but I'll be happy to speak to people in Portland in regards to that as well so you're able to build up a, a quick quote in regards to your 
your granny flats so you're able to determine what items you want to add on to the, the quote and finally you're able to sort of generate that quotes and you're able to generate architectural plans so the system is designed to be very quick and very easy for anyone that's using the application to be able to choose their builds show their builds on site without the need of um, site visits by a general contractor if that's not what's um, what's desired and to be able to very quickly see whether or not it'll work for that individual circumstance so regardless of the address and the location you're able to quickly check that um, check that build so we're really proud of the application quite a lot of contractors are using it day in day out to be able to show their clients and from our perspective what we believe the application brings is a lot of the issues in construction stem from the sales process and um, so I know there's a lot of horror stories in construction and clients you know feel like they're getting burnt um, by builders either through budget or time overruns and what we're hoping that Can I Build brings is some certainty so if the more information that's brought early on in the um, this discussion with clients, I think a lot of these issues in terms of unexpected costs or unexpected time delays can be avoided as long as the information is available from the onset. So this is basically what the application um, does. And, and the application obviously can do um, for houses and pools and other build types, but it's being designed primarily with granny flats in mind, particularly given the first clients was Rescon Builders and Rescon's been using it for three years. So it's been tried and tested and, and there's a, you know, a lot of people that get a lot of benefit out of it. So we're really proud and hopefully we can partner up with a few people in the States and, and bring it to general contractors, building ADUs in throughout the United States as well. Are you going to be dropping in property lines, boundaries in in markets in the US? Yes, so basically we've already digested that data in. There's quite a few more property boundaries in the US than there is in Australia. Yeah. In Australia, there's about 15 million properties and in the United States, there's markedly more than that. So in the next couple of weeks, the idea is to, to roll that out to the United States. And we're already in discussions with a large granny flat company in the UK as well. They want to use the application for this purpose as well. So yeah, we're quite excited about it. And, and we've already spoken to a few ADU companies in California and would love to be able to speak to a few more in Portland and other parts of the country and see whether or not this can help both in terms of their sales, but more importantly in bringing clients and contractor on the same page as early on in the discussion of whether or not an ADU is suitable for them, be it in terms of price, location. So, because we strongly believe a lot of the issues stem from the sales process where um, clients have a view in mind that doesn't transpire as the design kicks off or the approval kicks off or worse still, when construction kicks off. So our hope is this application sort of streamlines that process. So yeah, we're quite proud of it and hopefully it's a step in the right direction for construction generally. Awesome. Well, I like that you, so ate your own dog food, so to speak, for a while. You know that, ter you know that term, Tim? Sorry, which one? <laughs> Eating your own dog food. Yes, that's right. Yeah, like, and, and we live by that. Like if, um, if Rescon Builders wasn't using this application day in, day out, I, don't, I wouldn't want anyone else to use it. So pretty much that was one of the first criteria. And I love that 
understand that phrase. I know there's a lot of phrase coming out of the IT industry, but that's one I particularly um, like because I'm surprised how many companies develop software applications that they want other people to use, but they don't use it themselves. And if that's the case, then it's a pointless exercise. So if you're a client in Sydney and you call Rescom Builders to build your granny flat, the chances are you'll get in contact with one of our friendly staff members on the phone. They'll offer a virtual site visit pretty much the same in the same way we're doing when, when I'm sharing this screen right now. And then, you know, of course, if they want a physical site visit, we can do that as well. But a lot of people now are relying on this virtual way of um, doing it. And particularly now with the shutdowns, this is pretty much how construction has been pretty much occurring in the last couple of weeks in terms of sales. That wraps up the interview portion of this episode of the ADU Hour. As a reminder, these episodes are the edited audio version of interviews that we conducted via a webinar series. Good news, you can access the full video series via Cole's website, buildinganadu.com. Now for the second half of the show, I curate questions from the audience that gives our guests the opportunity to dive deeper into a topic or address new ideas and questions. So I kind of wanted to address first, Kenneth asked if these are prefab units, and you talked about that a lot of the bits and pieces of the projects of your, of your projects are prefabbed in some way. Can you kind of address that? Yeah, so I think a lot of these terms are being intermixed, so they're being used interchangeably. Essentially, we're a project home builder. What that means is they're starting, the starting point is a design from a catalog, but those designs can be changed. This is different from, say, a custom home builder that starts from a blank piece of paper. Pre, some of the elements are prefab, like the wall, but not the cladding. So here in Australia, brick is very popular. So the timber frames come, but the brick cladding, the roof is all constructed on site. So it's a mix of prefab. And, but I think a lot of times when people ask prefab, what they're meaning is a granny flat that comes off the back of a truck and gets craned onto site. Whereas in Australia, that's typically referred to as modular. So there's all these terms that go back and forth, but the quick answer is it is partially prefab and partially custom or traditional. So I hope that answers that question without making it more confusing to start with. Well, great, thank you. John Friedrich asked, what opportunities do you see in um, putting people that have become unemployed back to work building ADUs? I, I think similar to the United States, I mean, the same is in Australia, that construction is um, deemed an essential service. So construction itself hasn't stopped. And so hopefully people are remaining employed within the construction space. That being said, sentiment, there is fear in the, in, in the um, general public and that will slow down sales and therefore slow construction. But in terms of ADUs generally, in terms of whether it can employ more people going forward, the answer is yes. If the situation is similar to, the, to Australia and all the players within the ADU space, regardless of where they are in the United States, would feel a rapid growth over the next couple of years. Um, I do not believe this would stop in the United States. I believe the growth pattern would be at least for another four to five years at least. And a lot of these companies will be employing a lot of new new staff and hopefully they'll bring in more people into the industry generally. So um, my answer is yes. And the net result is a benefit for the people that are actually living in these ADUs because in the end of the day, they, they genuinely give a cost-effective solution 
for people. I know there's some people building them from an investment standpoint for rent and for return on investment. But even in, in those situations, an ADU represents a more cost-effective way to either build for your loved ones and family, as opposed to buying a new house or a new condo or apartment or what, whatever it might be. So I think it's a positive whichever way you look, for it, look at it. It's a positive for employment, construction generally, and it's also used. It's just a, it's a product that the demand is there because there's an actual need and desire to have these constructions occurring. And it's a, it's a good use of land as well because nowadays more and more people are using their re less and less. So if that um, space can be maximized for living, for elderly or for, for, for even children, when I say children, I mean 20, 25, 30 year olds, that can't afford to move out of the house and at least the parents can shift them off into the backyard. So I think overall it's a, it's a plus, whichever way you look at it. Great. Thank you. Charlie, there's a couple of questions kind of revolving around whether ResCon has a relationship with banks or if you guys have a financing arm. Yeah, this, this is another thing that's probably different from Australia and the United States. Australians are really hesitant about getting their finance from the builder. So essentially builders in Australia can recommend and we've got a relationship with a financial institution, but essentially it's a recommendation to use their service as opposed to undertaking the finance process ourselves. And so I can notice that a lot of companies in the United States offer it directly in terms of um, financing and financing arrangements, but that's not so much the case in, in Australia. But that being said, we've got a relationship, but it's more of a recommendation as opposed to a RESCON branded financing option. Great, thank you. So kind of moving into the app area now, or the, the can I build, how much does it cost to onboard a municipality and do you onboard individual municipalities based on the fact that most regulations are local yes so what's so the best way i can answer that is we codify all the rules and regulations ourselves so basically we get get all the rules and apply it on an address standpoint so the address governs which rules and regulations get applied to that particular address so the process is us us as a team and we've got a large team in the can I build side of things, which is separate from risk, where we codify these rules and regulations. What's happening, particularly in the ADU space, is these rules and regulations are becoming quite consistent between different councils and different areas. So this rollout of the rules and regs can be done quite efficiently and effectively. They don't differ immensely between areas, they just get tweaked. So, so that's been a benefit for us. And so that's how we've been rolling things out. But it's these tweaks that catch people out. It's just whether it's you know, a couple of feet different or a couple of uh, meters different. These are the things that catch people out. And these are the things that can I build streamlined. So essentially it works regardless of the council. Great. And then on to the cost. So what is the cost on board? Okay. So... Basically, the use of the application right now is um, primarily driven for contractors to be able to use the application to best um, serve their clients. We have had reach out by people that want to use it themselves. But if you visit canibuild.com, there's a free trial and a free version where there is zero cost. 
uh, which limit the amount of address lookups you can do. To, so even if someone wanted to try their hand at um, using the application for their own purposes, so their own builds, as opposed to you know, whether or not they're a contractor themselves, and they're free to do that by visiting canlinebuild.com and opting to go on the free version, which um, limits the amount of searches by five per month, which should be more than enough if the thought process is to use the application for their own address. Great. Is there one I could answer? Sure, Brian asked if I have any tactics for advocating for more ADUs in a very NIMBY environment. That's just one that's you know, of personal interest to me. Yeah, look, unfortunately, NIMBYism happens across the world. It, 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 the, there's no sort of 100% cure for that. So what, what's happened in Australia, it's, it's very similar. A lot of neighbours and people complained when, when a granny flat's being built. But in terms of the tactic um, for advocacy, Pretty much our approach, because I've done a lot of presentations and I've advocated for granny flats and ADUs for quite a while now. The, tac the tactic is to, for us, you, you can explain all the benefits, but that usually gets ignored by people that just don't want these things happening in their backyard. But basically, if anyone's approached myself objecting to a granny flat, my response has always been to ask the question, what type of construction would you have liked to see happen in your next door? So do you prefer for the entire house to be knocked down and for apartments to be built or for high rise or for multi-unit? If you had your choice of all the different types of construction that can occur next to you, which one would you prefer out of the entire spectrum of choices and usually you can see in their face, they immediately know that they would have picked a granny flat. So, so my, my explanation to anyone asking would be to pretty much use that sort of question and say, well, feel fortunate that out of all of them, what's happening next to you is a granny flat, which is the least impact, the, the less with privacy concerns, one with the less impact in terms of transportation and so on and so forth. So, that's been my general response to um, people that complain about it. And, and, and essentially, it's worked for the most part. But like everything in life, you're not going to convince 100%. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the ADU Hour. New episodes will be released weekly. The ADU Hour audio podcast series includes some of the interviews that were part of the live show. The unedited full-length version of all of the episodes is now available in video format for a one-time purchase price of $39 on buildinganadu.com. You can register for the ADU Hour series to gain immediate and indefinite access to all new and old shows. You can also find ADU courses for homeowners, real estate professionals, sign up for my email newsletter which includes content and announcements, and pick up a copy of the book Back to Revolution while you're there. Go to buildinganadu.com to learn more.